The following sermon is from New Life Baptist Church, where we exist to see lives transformed by the gospel as we make, mature, and mobilize disciples of Jesus. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at newlifeba.org. Uh, What's well, good to see you all. We're going to be this morning, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. And so if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, uh, go ahead and turn with me there to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. And as you're turning there, uh, this past week, I did a Google search for the most incredible athletic achievements of all time. And so I didn't pick ones that you might be aware of. I chose some that you might not have heard about before. On October 12, 2019, Eliud Kipchoge became the first human ever to run a marathon under two hours. So you think, okay, that's cool. That's neat. Think about this, running a four-minute and 34-second pace, mile pace for 26.2 miles In a row, 34 minutes, 34 seconds, mile pace, 26.2 miles in a row. It it was an achievement that rivaled that of Sir Roger Bannister in 1954, who was the first human to run the the mile under four minutes. Imagine the endurance required to run at that pace for that amount of time. Many of us, right, we'd be lucky to run a quarter of a mile in four minutes, 34 seconds. So, uh, but uh, so then another one is Alex Honnold. Alex Honnold, I don't know if you've heard of the name or not. He, he, um, there's a documentary called Free Solo, uh, but, but he is an American rock climber, best known for his free solo ascents on Big Wall. So if you don't know what free soloing is, that, that's when you climb, you do rock climbing without a rope or any other safety equipment at all. Right. You're just it's you and the rock and that's it. And so Alex Honnold, he, he completed the first solo, first soloist, uh, free solo ascent of El Capitan in Yosemite National Park, which is twenty nine hundred feet high. And he did that in under four hours. No rope, nothing. This guy has whatever that thing is in your brain that's supposed to give you a healthy sense of fear. He has none of that within him. The New York Times said that this is one of the greatest athletic, this is one of the great athletic feats of any kind ever. And then the finally, the final one that I'll share this morning. On, on October 14, 2012, and I know I referenced Noah last Sunday, but Noah and I, we love watching this guy, Felix Baumgartner. I don't know if you heard about him, but he was, he's an Austrian skydiver, and he made history by skydiving from a balloon, which is neat, okay, sure, but check this out, in outer space at an altitude 24 miles above Earth's surface. And he landed, he landed it safely after a nine-minute descent. You, you can YouTube the skydiving from outer space. It's, it's pretty incredible. But, but he not only set a new record for the highest parachute jump of 24 miles, but he also became the first human to break the sound barrier without in any engine power. He reached a top speed when he was skydiving, a top speed of 843 miles an hour, or the equivalent of Mach 1.25. He, he also set records for the highest freefall and the highest manned balloon flight. And, and so when you think about these incredible athletic achievements, the only way these athletes could achieve these things was by consistently and by rigorously training their bodies 
for the mission they sought to accomplish, right? So that each part, each different part of their bodies could function in unison together when pushed to unthinkable limits. Well, in our, in our text this morning, God, through the Apostle Paul, he's calling us as New Life Baptist Church to use our giftings like he has given us. So that with our various gifts, with our differing gifts, we would serve and function in unison together as one body. To accomplish, church, the mission that we have been given. And that's to see lives transformed by the gospel as we make, mature, and mobilize disciples of Jesus. And, and just so you know, uh, I, I, I bet you all don't want to be here for over an hour uh, and listen to me preaching. And so I've made this a two-part sermon. Uh, so you can say thank you. Uh, to me, but, but this is a two-part sermon, uh, so we'll resume the rest of it next week. There are four parts, four points total, but this morning we're only going to cover one point, so, uh, so buckle on in. So uh, with, with that, let's go ahead and read our passage this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. The Apostle Paul says this, and God's word says this. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that why 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 all of it? so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would come now and you would give us a mind that that is focused upon your truth, that you would give us a heart that is receptive to your truth and that you would give us a will, you would renew our wills to then go out and obey your truth. Father, help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. Help us to, we pray, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the first point, the only point this morning uh, for y'all uh, is this. And that is that we are called to pursue our spiritual giftings. To pursue our spiritual giftings. And we'll see that in verses 7 through 10. And that will be the focus of our time this morning, verses 7 through 10. Now, now if you're honest, when, when I was reading the passage, as we read through verses 8 through 10, you might have been thinking, what in the world is Paul talking about? I was tracking with verse 7 until Paul started talking about this ascending, descending, descending, ascending. What is he talking about here? Well, well, to understand this, I think it's helpful that we go back and understand the context of Psalm chapter 68. The, the, the verse here in verse 8 that, that, that Paul quotes 
The Old Testament passage is Psalm 68, verse 18. And so in this psalm, in Psalm 68, David recounts God's justice for the oppressed and God's judgment for his enemies. And that no matter what may happen in this lifetime, church, God will have the final say. And that he will win the ultimate victory for his people. And so in Psalm 68, verse 18, David is looking forward to that day of the ultimate victory of the coming Messiah. When this Messiah, when we, he will ascend on high after triumphing over his enemies. And, and, and so during this time, after a conquest, the, the victors, the, the conquering army, they would collect all the, valuable for, uh, all the valuables from the location where they just conquered. And, and then the spoils of victory would be distributed among the winning troops. And, and so they received a base salary, but, but really, if you think about it in our structure today, the bonus, their bonus was what they would receive after conquering a certain location. And, and so David builds upon this imagery to anticipate the day when this Messiah, when he would receive the spoils of his victory, and then when he would give these gifts back to his people. And so listen, church, we need to remember that the grace we have received from our Savior for the Christian life, this grace, it's not a gift that we receive from just this buttoned up benevolent benefactor. No, the grace we have received is from our victorious warrior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who waged the world's greatest battle against sin, against Satan, and against death itself on the cross, and who won and then who demonstrated his victory in his resurrection. And then listen, church, listen to this and be amazed. He has allowed us to share in the spoils of his victory through the gifts of grace that he has given to us. And and so I know some of you, maybe you walked into this service, maybe a little discouraged, maybe a little beaten down by, by this past week. Some of you, maybe you're discouraged by your fight against sin. You're not seeing victory like you'd like. Maybe you're discouraged by just the, the circumstances that you faced this past week. Maybe, maybe you're discouraged by relational difficulties. Maybe you're stressed about the financial, your own financial situation. And then maybe for some of you, maybe you just can't pinpoint it exactly. But there's just a general malaise, a general discouragement clouding your emotional life. And so for those of you who that may describe, hear me this morning. You are, according to God's word, you are a victor. And I don't say that, right, just as empty speak to make you feel better about yourself this morning. You didn't come this morning to a, to a Tony Robbins seminar to make you feel better about yourself. That's not our point this morning. No, no, you are a victor, not because of anything you have done, but because right now, church, You get to share in the victory that Christ Jesus has won for you through his death and his resurrection. And so because you are a victor and because you are a co-heir with Christ, because he has given good gifts to us, God's word says, then we are able then to raise our heads, lift up our eyes and go forth with great confidence, knowing that the greatest battle that we'll ever face, it has already been won by our savior. And so listen church, I know it's been said a lot but it's true. We don't fight for victory in this lifetime. We fight fight from a place of victory.
God's word says in verse 8, when he ascended on high, he, Jesus, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, now before we move on, I want to point just two things out quickly. Uh, maybe not so quickly, but uh, point two things out for you. You'll notice in verse 8 how Paul uses that word, therefore. And, and so you see how Paul uses this. He's using this word, therefore, right? He says, verse 7, that, that, that God has given gifts to us. And then what does he use as his supporting evidence, as his supporting argument? He goes back, way back to the Old Testament to support his argument that God, now under the new covenant, he has given us spiritual gifts. And so for Paul, the Old Testament, it could only be fully understood in light of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this is an important note as we read our own Bibles, as we read the Old Testament. And if you're in our two-year Bible reading plan, uh, we're in the book of Deuteronomy right now, the book of Deuteronomy and the Psalms. And so if you're reading through that, and if you want to read your Bibles like the Apostle Paul, then we need to realize this key truth. That we are to read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. We, we are to read the Old Testament as New Testament Christians. The whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, it all points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so this doesn't mean, though, that we just gloss over the immediate meaning of that passage, right? We don't just... Take that and we point it to Jesus. No, we, we, we look and see what is the immediate meaning of this passage. But then how then does that meaning, that point of this passage, point, connect to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus our Lord. Jesus, he is on every page in the Old Testament. And so may the Holy Spirit give us eyes to see and ears to hear as we read through our Old Testament. And, and if you want to jot down Luke 24, Luke 24, there Jesus said, that on the road to Emmaus, right? You remember those two disciples, they were walking and they were just discouraged that, that the one that they had hoped in, the Messiah they had hoped in, he was, he, had cruci- he was crucified and he was dead, right? So they were mourning this. And so Jesus comes alongside them and, and inconspicuously, he says, hey, what, what, what's going on? What are you talking about? And, and so they said, we, we thought, man, we thought this Jesus, we thought he was the Messiah. And Jesus said, oh, you foolish of heart. Do you not know that? And he goes on to say how the the Psalms, the prophets, how they all point to him, to his coming death and his coming resurrection. He he says that the Moses and the prophets, they wrote about me. And so listen, church, as we read the Old Testament, as we read two thirds of our Bible, we need to see how it connects, how it points us to Jesus and to his gospel. And so then the second thing I want to point out in this, uh, in this uh, passage before we move on to the main point is this. Notice the parenthetical statement in verses 9 through 10, right? The, the, the descending, the ascending, what in the world are you talking about here, Paul? And, and so while there are a few different uh, perspectives and, and viewpoints, I believe the descending language here is referring to Jesus's incarnation to this earth. It, it seems to fit best within the context and so then the ascension would mean then his, his ascension to heaven after his resurrection. And so you might be thinking, okay, that's great, but what is the point? So the so what? Why does this matter? And so what I think Paul is driving home here is this church, that the Jesus we read of in the Gospels, 
that he is the same exact Jesus who has now ascended on high. In his incarnation, in his descension to this earth, Jesus, he became the God-man, Emmanuel, God with us, fully God and fully man. And he will be so for all eternity. And so the one who descended is the same one who has ascended now and who is reigning with all authority on his throne. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if we have believed in the Jesus of the Gospels for our salvation, then we must also believe in the same Jesus who will give us these gifts of grace to serve one another. I think Paul, what Paul is pointing us to here is that the Jesus we've believed in and for our salvation is the same Jesus we need to believe in for our service to one another. And so it's important, though, that we don't miss the forest for the trees, right? The whole point of these verses, verses 7 through 10, is that Christ has given each of us, that means you and I, each of us varying gifts of grace. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul would put it this way, that, that there are a variety of gifts, but there is the same spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And that there are many parts, yet one body. And so God has given each one of us special and unique giftings by his grace and through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? Not all of us, not all of us have the same gifts, just as our body isn't just a compilation of arms and legs, right? We have different members of our body with different functions, but they serve collectively as one body. We have been graced with different kinds of gifts and with different measures of these giftings, but not that we would hoard these gifts or use them to our own end or maybe even envy others' giftings, but we, God has given us to them, these gifts to us so that we would serve one another with these gifts as one body. These spiritual gifts we have been given, or, or as other people may call them, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're not meant only for our personal growth in this lifetime. No, we have been given these gifts by the Holy Spirit for the good of one another, to serve one another with these gifts. Right? You, you think about it, uh, and, since we talked about athletes in the intro, we'll continue the theme. Think about an NFL athlete, right? He, he trains his body rigorous, rigorously in the offseason and during the season. Why? So that he, gives, he helps give his team a chance of winning the Super Bowl, right? That's his purpose for his training. But the byproduct of that training is that he is also an incredibly strong and fit and healthy person. And, and so listen... As we use our giftings, we will grow and we will experience personal growth. But we don't use our gifts for our own selves, for our own growth primarily. We use the gifts to serve one another. Our personal growth is a byproduct of using our gifts. Another way to put it, by grace, you have been gifted so that you can give. By grace, you have been gifted so that you can give. And so I want to ask you, church, What gifts has God given you? How has God gifted you since becoming a Christian? And so this is a different question than asking, what are your strengths or what are your skills or or what are your talents, right? God God has given those things to everyone, Christian and non-Christian alike, by his common grace. 
So, so when I ask the question, what are the gifts that God has given you? I'm not asking, what, what are you naturally good at, right? Though, though there is oftentimes some overlap there. But no, the question I'm asking is, what are the gifts that the Holy Spirit of God, that he has endowed and empowered you with, so that when you serve in his strength, it builds up the body of Christ. And, and so I'm about to go through a list, and you'll, you'll have it. Hopefully you have that, that little insert in the bulletin. If you don't, uh, there's some in the back. And so I invite you, you can just step up and, and get one real quick. Uh, but we're about to go through a list of 16 different spiritual gifts that Scripture outlines. And, and I thought, you know, the reason I'm breaking this up into a two-part series is because spiritual gifts, they are in, an important and integral piece both to the health of your own spiritual life and also to the health of this church, right? You think about it, right? When, when, when maybe the most insignificant thing we would, think, we would think initially, our big toe, right? When we hurt or we break our big toe, when it doesn't function as it should, right? It throws the entire balance of our bodies off. If one member of our body is not serving and utilizing their giftings, then listen, it can throw off the balance. It can, it can limit or, or even hinder the health of our church collectively. And so that's why I thought it important to, to take some time to focus on these spiritual gifts and to ask you the question, what, what gifts has God given you? And so because the, the, the reality is that because the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, because he has not ceased today to live within us, that means the gifts of the Holy Spirit have not ceased today either. And so that means that the overwhelming number of spiritual gifts outlined in the New Testament, they still continue in our context today. And so maybe if you're up on some language, if you're not, you can just let this go right on past you. But if you're up on the language, I I would put it this way. I hold to a mostly continuationist view rather than a cessationist view when it comes to the spiritual gifts. The one exception being uh, that of the gift of tongues. I, 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 in our context today, where God's word has been fully revealed, we have been given God's word in our language. He has made his will known to us. There is no longer any need for some, some special revelation. And so that gift has ceased, but all the others, I believe, are in full effect in our context. And so with that, you can pull out your, your piece of paper. This is going to be maybe, maybe a critique of mine is, as we preach the Ephesians, is maybe you're thinking, you haven't been practical enough. Well, this morning, I'm going to make up for all the practicality as we walk through these gifts. And so the first one you'll see there is the gift of administration. And so church has, I just want to ask you, has God given you this gift of administration? We, we, we see it outlined in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and Acts 6 where Peter appointed seven people to administer the physical and fiscal needs of the church. And, and so with this gift, the Holy Spirit enables followers of Jesus to organize, direct, and implement plans to lead others in different settings. And so if God has gifted you in this area, then you enjoy helping facilitate new ministry initiatives and coordinating things to, to enable others to serve. And so as we go through this list, I don't want you to be thinking, oh, that's, that's neat. I want you to be asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me, reveal to me what the gifts are that you have given me. And so the next gift would be that of the gift of apostleship. And so we don't say, right, this isn't a capital A uh, apostle. So, so the apostle, the apostolic office, it ended when the 12 apostles passed away, when they went to go be with the Lord. Rather, this gifting refers to the ability to pioneer new ministries, 
right? To break new ground. And if it's, it's often expressed when those who maybe church plant or maybe who are missionaries, right? And so thinking, has God given me this desire to start new ministries, to start new things? Another spiritual gift, that of discernment, right? Someone with this gift, they're able to, to know and to understand certain teachings and behaviors that are consistent or inconsistent with the truth of God's word. Paul tells us to test all things, right? Hold fast to what is good, abhor what is evil. And so those with this gifting, they're able to do that well. The other gift is, another gift that, that the Bible outlines for us is the gift of evangelism. And, and, and so with, with this one, I, I've heard it said before, I just, I don't do evangelism because I don't have that gifting, right? I've heard people say that in the past before. And so while it's true that God does give certain people this gift of evangelism, Listen, that doesn't excuse us from being obedient to the command that we've been given to make disciples of all nations. And so the first step of disciple making is what? Is evangelism. And so we are all commanded to do this work. However, at the same time, God has gifted some of us in a unique way to be effective in this work. And so if you're given this gift of evangelism, maybe you enjoy outreach. You enjoy sharing the gospel with people. You enjoy equipping others in the church to share the gospel as well. We'll continue with exhortation and encouragement, right? Has, has God, do you often find yourself listening a lot to people? Maybe people come to you, they approach you with their needs and their concerns. And God has gifted you with the ability to listen well. And then to have a right word at the right time for that person to build them up and to encourage them. Maybe that means you have the gift of encouragement or exhortation. And maybe also you're able to challenge and encourage and motivate others with the truth of God's word to be more obedient to his word. Another gift you'll see on the piece of paper is the gift of faith. And and so while all of us are called is similar to evangelism, right? We're called all to have faith. Some of us have, have been given a particular gift to really believe that God is able to do the impossible. So, so that affects the way you pray. You're oftentimes, you hear the word prayer warriors. The, these people have been given the gift of faith, right? We're, we're able to, to pray fervently, consistently, and, and, and with an expectancy for God to work in mighty ways. And, and so when he does answer, you're not surprised that he was able to, to answer that prayer request or perform that certain miracle. God has given you this gift of faith. Uh, for others, God has given you the gift of giving, Right, in Romans 12, 8 outlines that. And so similarly, don't say, oh, I just don't have the gift of giving and skimp out on your offering, right? So we are all commanded to give and to be generous givers. At the same time, right, God has gifted some people within our, within our church to, man, I, I, my heart says, I just love to give and to support financially the work of the gospel ministry in this church and, and with other agencies, other missions agencies around the world as well. Continue on. So God has given some of you the gift of helping, right? So when, when, when you have this gift of helping, if you're eager to help in various ministries of the church, right? You just, wherever I'm needed, I want to help, right? And you come alongside other people and you can help them during their times of need. You're always looking for ways. You're always looking for practical needs that people have. And you're always looking for ways to meet those needs. For some of you, maybe God has really gifted you intellectually. You've been given the gift of knowledge and 1 Corinthians 12 outlines that for you. For those of you with this, you have a deep desire to study God's word and then to communicate the truth of God's word in a way that is understandable for others 
You're, you're maybe the go-to person, right? When people have questions, doctrinal questions or, or, or questions uh, or other questions about God's word. And this coincides with the gift of teaching, which is the gift to teach, instruct, explain, and communicate God's word in an effective way that people understand his word and are able to apply God's word in a meaningful way in life. And so you have knowledge, teaching, and then the next one, prophecy, and then the next one after that is pastoring. They all kind of, they, they, they can be overlapped. The, the, this gift of prophecy, and now this might be one word, hang with me here. Uh, this gift of prophecy, it, it doesn't mean that you're right, trying to divine future events that's going to take place, right? That, that God has revealed his will to us in his word. And so God's revealed will has already been given to us in these 66 books. And so it's not a gift of foretelling, right, of what's going to take place in the future as much as it is a gift of forthtelling, right, in the sense that you desire to communicate God's revealed will into people's life circumstances. It may be similar to that of the exhortation. You're able to speak God's truth in a poignant way to help others in their life circumstances. You are speaking forth God's revealed word. And, and then the, the next gift for, for some men in the church, God has given them the gift and the calling of pastoring. Pastors, they're, they're called and empowered by God to care for the spiritual well-being of the church, to, to teach, to protect, and to equip others to faithfully follow Jesus in their lifetime and to be faithful to his mission. And so listen, church, it's my prayer that God would raise up even more lay pastors within our church. We'll keep going. The, the, the next spiritual gift you'll see on the sheet, that of leadership. And so those with the gift of leadership, right? They're able to care for God's people by, by helping develop deeper relationships with Christ and with one another. They, you're, if you have this gift of leadership, you're able to inspire others to new initiatives and to new spiritual goals, right? And, and leaders, they're gifted in the ability to communicate a vision that people become motivated to join. And so, again, as, as we're going through this list, I want to encourage you and be praying and be asking the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Reveal to me the gifts that you have given me. Listen, your days of gifting have not passed you by. If God has still given you breath in your lungs and a beat to your heart, he has still endowed and empowered you with spiritual gifts. And so the question isn't if you're a Christian. The question isn't, Do I still have my giftings? The question is, how will I use the giftings that God has already given me? How do I, as Paul would tell Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that he has given you? And so with that, the gift of service, right? Maybe maybe you maybe you don't like the limelight. Maybe you're just you're content and you're being that you enjoy being the behind the scenes kind of person. And, And so people with this gift, they love to facilitate ministries by doing all the necessary details required for ministries to take place. Maybe, maybe God has given you the gift of wisdom. The, the people with the gift of wisdom, they have the ability to understand from a biblical perspective different situations that arise in life. Right? People with wisdom, they can speak God's truth into those areas that, that Scripture doesn't exactly Outline in, in what's maybe called the, the gray areas that, that aren't clearly defined in Scripture, people with wisdom are able to apply God's will to those life 
circumstances. And then finally, finally, for some of you, God has given you the gift of mercy. And so someone with the gift of mercy, they feel compelled to help relieve the suffering of people around them. They want to show compassion. Does does your heart go out to those who are suffering, to those who are in need? You show compassion to the hurting and help them try to help them through the trials of life. And so this leads you then to take action, to come alongside others, to help them feel encouraged and to ease the suffering that they are experiencing. And so you'll notice on your piece of paper there that two, two, two statements or two questions. My spiritual gifts are, and then you fill in the blank, and then I will serve, I will serve in my giftings by, right? And so I want to encourage you this next week, take some time, pray about it. And also in my newsletter, I also share out a spiritual gift survey. Some of you may enjoy those. Some of you may not enjoy those. But it's just another tool to help you try to identify what are the gifts that God has given me. Remember, church, they're different from skill sets. They're different from talents. These are gifts that the Holy Spirit has supernaturally gifted and given to you. What are the gifts that God has given you to build up his kingdom and to build up his church? And so the whole purpose, again, the whole purpose that why God has given us these gifts. Jesus said in John chapter 14, what did he say? The most astounding thing, one of the most astounding things in all the Bible. Jesus said that his followers will do greater works than he himself did on this earth. And what is that greater work? It's advancing his kingdom to the ends of the earth so that all peoples, all languages, all tribes, and all nations worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And so again, maybe when you're trying to identify these spiritual gifts that God has given you, these are some helpful questions you can ask. And and the first and the most important one is, have I asked the Holy Spirit to speak to my heart about the gifts that he has given me? Right? Pray again, pray and ask. Holy Spirit, show me, make it plain and clear to me the gifts that you have given me. And then secondly, a question is, what are my passions, right? What are your passions What do you enjoy doing, right, when you serve? When you've had serving opportunities in the past, what have you found? Man, I just really enjoy serving in this particular way. Another question, what what, what ministries has God blessed you with when you have served? And then as I read through, as we read through those gifts, those spiritual gifts, what are some of those gifts that that resonate within your soul? I say, yeah, I think I I do have that gifting. And, And then a final one, another helpful thing. That if you're still a little bit uncertain, is I would encourage you to ask your fellow members, ask them this question. What, what gifts do you see at work within me? So our gifts, if they're to be used among the body, then they should be recognized by the body here at New Life Baptist Church. And so I want to again ask you the question, what are the gifts that God has given you by his spirit? And then finally, the final question I'll ask you this morning is how, how are you currently using your gifts to build up this body, New Life Baptist Church? Are you, are you giving of your gifts in the power of the Holy Spirit, right, serving? Or maybe are you with hesitation or with fear? Are you holding back from serving in the giftings God has given you? The Apostle Peter in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he says this, each, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks 
as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Why do we serve, church? Again, why do we do all of this? Why do we seek after the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us? Peter answers it for us here. He says, why do we serve with the gifts God has given us? In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The reason we've been given gifts is that we serve others. And as we serve others, that God would receive all the glory. Because again, he is the one who is the gift giver. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory. I'll end our time this morning by again reminding you of the one who has given you these gifts. He is the one who is the triumphantly resurrected king of glory. He descended, but in victory, he ascended back on high. And he has given church these gifts to you to share in his spoils of victory. To have dominion over this earth by advancing his kingdom as we utilize the giftings he has given us. And so may we be a church then who is full of the spirit. In a church marked by a church that is full of the spirit. It's a church that is marked by serving in the giftings that the Holy Spirit has given us. So may we do that to build up this body and to advance his kingdom. And then the final thing I'll say is, maybe you're thinking this morning, maybe you're thinking, I'll look through this list and, 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 and I, don't, I know I don't have any of these spiritual gifts. And if you say, maybe, maybe you, this isn't if you're uncertain, right? This is if you're very certain, no, none of these apply to me. Then listen, it, it might be, maybe not, but it might be because you have not yet received the greatest gift that God offers to you today. And that is the gift of salvation. Right? The Bible says, we, we talked about this weeks ago. The Bible says that, that because of our sin, we are dead in our sins. Right? And by our nature, we live for ourselves. And as a result, as Mike said earlier, we fall short of the glory of God, God's perfect standard of righteousness. And so because of that, we, we deserve God's punishment. We're separated from him and we're destined to an eternal hell left to our own. Selves. But the good news of the gospel, the greatest news you will ever hear in your life, the greatest gift you could ever receive is this, that God, because of his great love for you, he descended from on high to this earth. He was born as a human. He took the form of human flesh. He lived the perfect life that you never could live. He lived a per- life of perfect obedience to God, and he died the death that you deserve to die so that you could be forgiven of your sin, have eternal life, and have the hope of heaven be restored to right relationship with God. I would encourage you, if you have not yet received God's greatest gift, to receive that this morning. And then listen, church, if you have received God's greatest gift of salvation, the one who has given you salvation by his grace is the same one who has given you these gifts by his grace. Just as you received his salvation, receive these gifts, and then use these gifts in service to one another, to build up the body, again, all for the glory of King Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you have any questions or if we can serve you in any way, please connect with us at newlifeba.org.